0: Welcome to Parenting with Play podcast. I'm really pleased you're here because today I've got Stacy Wilson all the way from the US to talk about how rough and tumble play is so beneficial for your girls um, because we often, you know, associate rough and tumble play with boys, but Stacy has girls of her own and is really passionate about sharing this information with you because the benefits that there are emotionally and physically for your girls. So we'll dive into that, but so welcome Stacey. It's so good to have you here. Hi, (laughs) good Good to be here. So so, um, give us a bit of background information about you. Obviously, you're a a Parenting by Connection Hand-in-Hand instructor. You're a Mm -hmm. primary educator, primary school educator. How do you describe that in the States?
1: And you've got- Yeah, so in the U.S., um, primary school is elementary school. So I have my degree in elementary and also early childhood education. So I've spent most of my teaching years in teaching kids age three to like Mm seven-ish. Um, and I have two girls. they are now both six and eight, so in the school age group, and I live in San Jose California. Wow, so good to have you here i love love technology um,
0: yep <laughs> so what got I'd love to hear first of all what got you into hand in hand in the first place, and then we can mm-hmm. then go into you know rough the importance of rough and tumble play
1: yeah, so I found hand in hand in a midnight search for anything (laughs) Uh, after a really rough day. um, And I can't quite remember the exact timeline, but I was either really heavily pregnant with my second daughter or she was a newborn. Either way, I had like a human pretty much on me all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I remember just uh, feeling just completely like burnt out um, and really struggling with having tools. And, you know, I went into parenting and I was like, this is going to be so great. I'm So excited to have my own kids because I've spent my whole since I was 12 or 13, um, caring for other people's kids teaching them various settings, all those things. And so I was like, I'm totally prepared for this. This is going to be like awesome. It and, it, Easy. and it wasn't. <laughs> and it just wasn't. And so my kids are 22 months apart. So my older one wasn't even two um, at the time. And I just remember just having the hardest time with her. And uh, looking back now, I'm like, oh, I was really just like burnt out. Um, and I, one day she had uh gotten into my closet which had all my teaching materials in and she dumped out a bucket of these tiny little like one centimeter counting math cubes which are a pain to clean up and i had just cleaned them up but she loved to play with them and i remember she dumped them out a second time and i like lost my mind and i was just like ah, why? why why does she hate me <laughs> right put the baby gate. yeah put the baby gate up left her in that room and I just, like, sobbed on the kitchen floor for a good long time. And, you know, my uh, spouse at the time came home and was like, what's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, uh, and then that night, I just kind of went scrolling on the Internet and came across Hand in Hand and immediately connected with it, ordered the, the booklets at the time were, you know, in print, ordered a set of the booklets, began reading and doing the tools um, and just kind of stayed there for a little while. For quite a few years, and then um, and then jumped in fully in 2019 when I became an instructor.
0: Awesome, yeah, love hand in hand. I, yeah, I have a similar similar experience. Thinking it'd be easy, then realizing it so wasn't. <laughs> so, yeah, and then yeah. discovered wear parenting in hand in hand, and yeah, haven't looked back. It's been amazing. Yeah. So, what would you actually then? Just on that, then, what was the first thing that you really changed with your daughter? that then you saw the biggest difference?
1: Uh, The first thing that I changed was special time, adding in special time and making sure that that was something that happened. Uh, fairly regularly, um, just so that I could have those moments where I felt like a good parent. (laughs) And do you just want to explain what special time is, just quickly? Yeah, special time is just where you uh, spend quality one-on-one time with one child at a time, one parent, um, where you set aside an amount of time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, however much you have that day, and you kind of follow the child's lead, um, try not to say no, um, and just be really, really present with them and that was kind of changing life-changing for me because it just she loved it even as just a barely two-year-old and it was a way for me to like it it was just like one of those like calming pieces of parenting where it was like ah um because it just felt like so good and like i was doing something that i knew was going to benefit both of us
0: yes and it does it benefits us too doesn't it it's not just beneficial for our children. It's beneficial for us as well.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So then rough and tumble play. Let's talk about rough and tumble play.
1: Uh, what do you love about it? Rough and tumble play. Uh, I well, <laughs> I love it in the way that I do it with my own girls. I grew up in a family of I had four brothers. Wow. So rough and tumble play wasn't gentle, usually did you just or get piled on? Yeah, it was just like we would get piled on. It was more of a way to like slowly torture us. A <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like they'd sit on us and like do this on the chest or like um pull our hair or like lay down have, yeah, anyway. It was just it wasn't really pleasant um per se. Uh, and I actually but that's a really good point to raise because a lot of mums don't like rough and tumble
0: play, possibly for that reason, because they mm-hmm. associate it with being pinned down and yep. having things done to them. Like, oh, I still can't have anybody touch my feet. Um, you know, having things done to us that made us feel even more powerless. So there's right. real often sort of association with rough and tumble play that it's that it's unpleasant.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for I mean, I didn't do it for years and years when I first started parenting because I just was like, mm, nope, one, that's a dad thing. Yeah, if if, if if you want to do that, go do that with your dad. Um, but my uh, my spouse at the time wasn't he didn't really do rough and tumble play with our kids. Um, I don't know that his family did that much growing up. Um, but yeah, the way that I have kind of taken it is away from that, like, powerful, overpowering the child role and making sure that my role is always to be the power, the less powerful person there so that it's more of an empowering activity versus an overpowering activity. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a bit
0: more actually? And and the, you know, why do we bother to do rough and tumble? It's not just to exert energy and just to tire them out. There's more to it than that. Do you want to talk a bit more about that?
1: Yeah. So I enjoy it because, um, it, it does, I mean, it does, it's a good energy release, right? Like they get real into it which is helpful. Um, But I also find that it can lead to uh, a lot of fun, laughter and connect and just connectiveness, right, where you they feel really connected to you. There's a lot of physical touch that goes into it. um, And things like that, that I just feel like really work well together to kind of create a safe, fun, playful environment. And kids love to be like the threat of being hot, but not actually, right? And so it's just, um, you know, it's something that they just really love. And it's taken me a long time to get to the point that I enjoy it too, but uh, we've we've gotten there with time. And uh, we have, you know, a few go-tos that we play a lot, um, which is fine. Kids like repetition, so. (laughs) (laughs) So what are your go-tos? Let's see. Our... One of my kids' favorite is like the indoor snowball fight. Oh yeah, i love that. Uh, What's that? Yeah, so I I mean, you can buy them on Amazon or wherever. They're just like fluffy little balls of like balls. cotton. Yeah. They're kind of, they're big, but they're big like a snowball would be, uh, but they're like a pom-pom ball essentially. So they're really lightweight. They can't really hurt you no matter how hard you throw them. We can, we've even done it before we got those. We've even done it with just rolled up socks. Just like a pair of socks rolled up. Um, And, you know, they always win, they overpower me, they will knock down my barriers, uh, because usually they like to, like, set up forts around themselves with, like, pillows and cushions and things, and they'll always come and knock mine down and um, things like that. Uh, We do another one. I I learned it from another instructor, um, Alice, and... Her family calls it pancake. I don't. We don't really know why, but they call, we call it pancake. <laughs> and basically, like as the adult, we're uh, kind of cemented into one spot. We can't move. Um, and I usually use a towel or like a pool noodle as my flipper, and they have to try and like get past me without me getting them with it. And okay. they think it's just you know a fun fun game. Um, and I use a ton of of just these open ended uh, prompts, like, I bet you can't jump over me or push me onto the sofa or different things like that kind of just depends on the mood that everybody's in. Um, which of course is the invitation for them to do that very thing. Exactly. And they're like, Oh, right. And they want to do that exact same thing. Right. And so, um, that always is kind of their open invitation to love it. So just, so what helped you to then, want
0: to do it because if you had such a resistance to it sort of what led you to then not only just do it intermittently but really embrace it and clearly do a lot with them what sort of what was your journey through that
1: um I just remember uh well being working with like large groups of kids and watching kids interact with each other um Uh, I've taught kindergarten, which is like the five and six-year-olds here. And uh, if you watch them interact with each other, that's what they do, right? They create connections with each other by roughing and tumbling and touching and, you know, smothering each other and um, that kind of thing and realize that they really need that. And it's a really powerful way for them to build connection with other people, whether that be peers or adults. And so I kind of made a goal to do it. And then um, as part of the instructor training right before COVID in February of 2020, uh, we did a play event with um, Patty Whippler, the founder of hand in hand and a couple of the other um, instructor trainers. And we each brought one child. So there was more kids than adults. And it just kind of, um, really solidified to me how important it was because the kids were just like ecstatic and they just went for it and went for it and went for it. Um, and my daughter, when we got home, was like, she didn't stop talking about it. She wanted to do it over. She was like, when can we go back? You know, she really loved it. And that's kind of when I went all in on it and tried to find ways that I could do it that I felt comfortable and kind of build myself up a little bit in oh, my comfort love that. level with it. I bet she couldn't believe
0: her luck. I bet all of those kids couldn't believe their luck. You mean we can play and we can push and we can do all this fun stuff with a load of adults Mm -hmm. who are happy to do it. Right. So do you have any boundaries, Um, any things that, no, we can't do that? What what do you set in place that sort of protects you so you don't feel overwhelmed with it? Or if you just now got to a point that you're really comfortable, anything goes, but how did you get to that point?
1: Yeah, I feel like it it's kind of dependent on the day, right? Some days I'm like, woohoo, let's do this. And other days I'm like, oh, don't touch me there. Or I don't want to be swatted with the pillow or whatever it may be. Um, and do you find that your children are quite responsive in those times because they've had the other times when they can do it? Are they They usually offended? are. Um, my main one is I don't like to be hit in the face. And so usually I'll just be like, not in the face or lower, you know, hit me lower. Um, we do a lot of like, I made like rectangular pillows that aren't very big and we use those a lot for like pillow fighting are you crafty um, did you make them oh well not i mean crafty i just like cut apart old pillows and just, so, then and that's a great idea. so uh yeah i mean super simple they're nothing fancy at all but um we use those uh just because they're not my kids were little at the time and so i didn't no, want I love
0: that i'm pillows. about to
1: chuck out some old
0: pillows actually that's a great idea. I think I might cut them up into smaller pillows. I've never even thought of
1: it. What a brilliant idea! Rather than yeah, having to go they buy really well. new little pillows, right? Yeah, little rectangles because then they have a whole. They can hold on to one side, and there's still a bit of pillow to wave around. Um, yeah. So let's see what we were talking about. Uh, building up to it, I think. And you um, set the boundary, which is very reasonable about them not yeah. hitting your no face. No faces. Um, and usually, when when somebody says stop, then we need to take a step back, um, whether that's me or them, like if somebody all of a sudden decides that they don't like that, um, usually our kind of code word is just stop. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of where we've set the boundary. Um, yeah. Brilliant. And do you find
0: that they both love it playing it together with you? Um, or do you just try and do it one-on-one? How do you do it with the two of them?
1: Um, Usually, I do find that it's more fun with more kids. Um, depending on the day, it can get overwhelming for like the adult, right? Because you've got multiple kids, kind of. Uh, and they get big. <laughs> and so and to they have- get big and powerful. I mean, my eight-year-old is is she, she she's powerful. I mean, I'm I'm a petite parent I'm not even five feet foot tall so my eight-year-old you know she comes up to here on me so she's you know getting big
0: <laughs> and I, have to um, say, I had that twice um one time with my son and a friend of his and I'm my son's tiny so you know even though he's six nearly seven like I can throw him around the place he's easy but he had a friend over who's a big solid boy and um And God, he loved, we did all this rough and tumble on the bed. But there was a time when I was going, gosh, I feel quite overpowered actually by the two of you. And you're both, what, five at the time. And I could get a bit of sense of panic going, you're pinning me down. And and because this boy hasn't played that that much, so he didn't really have that flexibility of that ease that, you know, Mm -hmm. when you say to your own son, okay, time now. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely have had a moment of like, oh, this feels a bit, I don't know if I want to do this with you guys because this is not fun for me anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. How do you manage that as they get old? I mean, when it's your own children, it's, it is easier.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And we, we live with, um, I have one niece who we live with, or well, two, but one who's younger and likes to join. She's right in between my two. And so she's usually with us. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit more challenging um, when we throw her into the mix because she's not quite used to it and she doesn't respond as quickly or as well to the boundaries um, when I do have to set them. And and there are times where I'm like, yeah, I'm not in the mood to play this. <laughs> Their favorite at, like, bedtime is to, like, come at me with um, – uh, I've, we have pool, those pool noodles and I've cut them in half so they're not quite as long um, and they love to like chase me around with the pool noodles and just whop, right? Because they make a lovely sound when you hit with them <laughs> and they're fairly harmless. I mean, eh, they don't really hurt, but, um, but they'll come at me sometimes and I'm like, nah, it's really time to brush our teeth or, um, you know, sometimes have to set boundaries around the play um, depending on the day and time. Um, and do you find because happens. you've because you've done
0: the play either you know a little bit earlier or other times that your children are more responsive to those boundaries than they Most otherwise would be the yeah. if they hadn't done the play?
1: And yeah, they really are mostly responsive, and the times that they aren't responsive are usually times where uh, we haven't done it in a while, or um, we haven't had our special time, or it's been like. Um, Uh, I'm divorced and so they go back and forth between two homes and transition days are notoriously difficult and if it's a transition day you know they're a little (laughs) bit less less likely to accept those boundaries readily and in those times it's kind of dependent on the situation and I might give in and say okay we really need this so let's let's go I'm gonna set the timer for 10 minutes and we can do this for 10 minutes or whatever. (laughs) That sounds good. And having those tools
0: in transition is really important too Mm -hmm. when they are transitioning between two two parents in that way. Um, So let's talk about why you think it's really important to do rough and tumble for girls. Because, you know, for my son, yeah, of course, you know, we sort of account think that, well, boys, they've got lots of testosterone, they're running around, they need to have this rough and tumble. It's just part of boyhood but we Mm -hmm. don't often do it with girls. So why, what do you think the benefits are for doing it with girls in particular?
1: Um, I think for me, at least from what I've noticed with my own girls and just being in group care situations with lots of different children um, at different times, I think uh, girls have similar needs. We're just more apt to like push them away and not really meet those needs in the same way that we are with a boy um and those phys- in those more physical ways right we want girls to be um tender and caring and loving and we don't want them to like start punching pillows and <laughs> aggressively yeah. chasing somebody or jumping on somebody right that kind of like ah, it makes a lot of parents a little nervous um but i think it's it's beneficial to girls in the same way that it's beneficial to boys right It gives, you know, a great release of energy. They burn. I mean, if you've ever done it with a child for more than 10 or 15 minutes, like they're red faced and they're sweaty and they're just it really burns off a lot Um, as well as like gets those emotion. Like I feel like it's a good emotional release if you're doing silly things and they're able to laugh. And it creates that connection um, that is useful. I mean, notoriously, children want to do this type of play right before bedtime, right? Don't rile them up, you know, we don't want them to get all riled up, but I find that's actually, as long as you plan for it um, and leave that extra time, it's a great time to do it because it kind of lets them go up and like come back down and then they're really calm and ready for for sleep. Um, But I feel like for girls, yeah, it's just they need it just as much as the boys do. And I feel like it it teaches a lot of things through that kind of give and take of rough and tumble play. So with a girl, I mean, with any child, really, but um, <clears throat> it teaches that like self-handicapping, right? We're, they know that we could easily overpower them. They're not stupid, but we're choosing not to. Right. Yeah. And so that that piece of it is being taught. Um, and um, uh, it's empowering when they're given the more powerful role so they feel strong they feel powerful they feel in control Um, and I think that's really important um, particularly for girls because we don't often have power or control um, in the way that society runs itself so
0: Yeah, it's really, it is. And and what I think is so brilliant is that it's something that's really simple, but it actually has so much broader ramifications and greater, you know, really good impacts for our children when we do these, these types Mm -hmm. of play. Um, my daughter was struggling with some friendship dynamics when she was about nine. And I remember writing in and, um, for help with instruct, you know, from the instructors. And Patty wrote back, and and it was such a good point that she was making was that as our girls get older, their type of play that they do, say in the playground, becomes more static. <clears throat> Whereas boys, they continue to run around, they continue to play soccer. And obviously, this is you know stereotyping. Right. You know, not all girls stop. Um, and the school that my daughter was at, they did all join in with soccer a lot more, which was great. Um, but as a whole, girls do become sort of they they sort of tend to then more sit around and chat, whereas the boys Mm -hmm. are still sort of larking around and jumping around and, you know, doing stuff. And so she was saying that because of that, that that sort of can lead them to to sort of be that classical girl meanness because Mm -hmm. they're not having those outlets. um, They're not having that physical nature. But this is her summarization. You know, she was... There's no data to back this up, but this was her guess in... Yeah. You know, Patty's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. and it really made sense when she said that. Um, so I really ramped up physical play with, I mean, we did a lot of it already, but I really ramped it up with her so that she had that physical outlet and it helped her then to overcome, you know, when, when you're feeling a bit anxious and a bit nervous, you sort of contract, Your know, body contracts and you are just like, Oh, everything's too hard. But I love mm-hmm. that physical You know pushing us over and I love all the things you've suggested I'm definitely going to start doing them with my kids um there's like the snowball fights and the sort of the half noodles and the pillow fights and it helps them to feel physically confident which then uh, Mm -hmm. helps them with their emotional confidence as well and um you know I I think it's really important to keep doing that with our girls
1: yeah yeah I think (laughs) Uh, For my girls, it's been a really particularly my older one has really struggled. You know, she was older when um, we separated and we've had lots of big changes over the past three years with a divorce and moving and a pandemic and (laughs) all these really (laughs) huge things happening. And um, I feel like that is one of the things that she immediately she goes aggressive when she's feeling kind of emotionally over. Um, emotionally flooded and use being able to do preemptively do a lot of rough and tumble play with her has really kind of cut down on um, the process of that building to until the point it becomes too much for her. Right. If we're, if we're uh, kind of regularly doing rough and tumble play uh, it really helps to keep her more regulated. Yeah. Um, yeah I, know, I can see that. In that way that she's not becoming so, Uh, she gets like real uh, I guess rigid right where she can't handle little missteps and things and that's when I know like oh we need to we need more play more rough play um, to kind of help her have an outlet for it yeah
0: and to have that experience of feeling powerful because often yeah. when, you know, children start to behave in that way, they, they're often coming from a sense of feeling powerless. So then they mm-hmm. sort of can try and overcompensate and, you know, control things or start to be mean to other people because they're coming from that sense of feeling powerlessness, feeling powerless. So yep. the aggressive, <laughs> aggressive play, the you know, the uh, rough and tumble play really helps them to to move through that and to so that they don't feel the need to feel controlling or, or you know, have that challenging behaviour because they're just feeling really calm in themselves right yeah exactly when they when they get those outlets yeah it's really helpful now I've got 12 year old girls so we don't do that much anymore we used to do quite a lot of the sock game you know the sock game where you try and get each other's socks off Mm, on the bed it's brilliant Mm -hmm. um but we don't do that so much anymore and I'm just sort of sitting here reflecting going we sort of do some sort of pushing around (laughs) but I'm wondering whether we can do, you know, start to reintroduce that actually. I don't know. I mean, things change when they become tweens and teens. Um, but what I, you know, love hearing is that when you do that regularly, then that can carry on later. Um, Mm -hmm. and whether then your daughters, you know, want to carry on doing it when they're 13, 14, maybe, but what a great way to to start them, to start them out. Mm -hmm. What do you find just very quickly then if they start to get, upset so say you know one of particularly when you're playing with two or three children that one of them hurts another one what do you notice then
1: um yeah usually I mean we haven't had an actual hurt ever really happen just which is interesting of... to note
0: and, and really mm-hmm. worth saying that when children yeah. are not playing they know that they're playing
1: right yeah they do um so we've never had any like actual injuries but children often will take our attention right As, even in a playful way and they'll move from playing into uh crying right there's like a very fine line between laughing and crying mm-hmm. <laughs> um especially for young children and they kind of just go like this constantly and we're like you're laughing and crying uh, uh, i don't know what's happening uh and so that happens quite often with um po- doing rough and double play where one of them will fall or you know somebody will hit them too hard even though we really know it probably wasn't that it's just more of a pretext for them to kind of offload and at that point we usually just pause listen to the person who's upset and then they'll just you know the switch will flip back up and they'll hop right back in and we'll keep on playing it's usually just it kind of just goes like this um and that's really helpful to hear because
0: I think a lot of parents can worry going oh it's going to end in tears is the Mm -hmm. saying so to to realize that that's just part of it and actually it's a really helpful part and Mm -hmm. they'll have a cry with you and then they'll get right back into playing again
1: yeah exactly and i think that is um a really important piece i can't remember what book i was reading i think it might be playful parenting by larry cohen yes yes um and he talks about that kind of um uh i forget what it's like a window of tolerance or something and it go there's there's kind of like an arc that it follows when you're playing and they kind of they go up they amp up amp up amp, amp up and then they'll automatically come back down and as part of that they can go between that like having a lot of fun and crying and that um, it's not it's not a bad thing it, just because it ends in tears doesn't mean it has to end it's kind of just part yeah. of the process
0: that's a great that's a great thing to, to hold just because it's it's not doesn't, oh, doesn't end in tears. It doesn't have to end. I love that. Um, and it is part of the process. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add about play? I think we've covered quite a lot. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah. That's been so helpful. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been really great to, we well, meet you online and to <laughs> hear, and to hear your journey also with you know your progression into rough and tumble play because you know it's very easy for us to say yeah just get on the bed and play with the kids but actually it you know it's quite a thing for us to often get over our own fears or past hurts and you know upsetting experiences to then be able yeah. to do that so yeah, yeah absolutely really good to hear thank you so if um, parents want to hear find out more about you contact you where where can they meet you where can they find you
1: um, yeah so they can find me at growinggoodness.com Um, I'm also on Instagram at GrowingGoodness or Facebook. Um, Yeah, so those are the the main spaces they, they can go to.
0: Brilliant. I'll pop the links in the show notes. So thank you so much. That's been great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family. Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released and I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing.